Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Marvel Movie News. Good morning, Merry Marvelites. This is indeed Marvel Movie News. Very excited to be here on a Thursday, just before lunchtime here in the West. Christian Blatt, joined by the lovely Rachel Goodman. Rachel, thank you for being with us today. I am stoked to be here. My favorite show premiered last night, the final season, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm I'm so excited to talk about that, Eternals, and everything else that we're discussing today. Yeah, we've got some fun topics. We've got uh, a little bit of uh, of New Mutants credits-related news, so we're going to pick our favorite opening title sequences not the end credit stuff believe me that's a topic for a future show for sure but we're talking about the opening main title sequences some of your favorites so have those ready to go if you're uh, watching in the chat or if you're watching the archive version please leave those comments down below we will make sure to get to those uh our uh fearless leader zach wilson uh has a statement for me to read a little bit later and uh zia anderson all neither of them are here they're actually both trapped in 1931 but we hope to get both of them back very soon uh they're able to leave messages kind of like you know the end of back to the future too when uh when doc (laughs) marty gets a letter from doc so yeah i've got uh i've got some uh 80 year old uh letters sitting here from both of them that uh, i'll read later uh, but we uh, hope to have them back soon. And this is Marvel Movie News, uh, number 278, coming to you live from the Fox Studios editing room, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Special thanks to Mr. Fantastic, Ryan in the booth. Actually, he's not really in the booth as much as he's back in Mission Control. He's running things at the Baxter Building. And of course, Colt Badeau tweeting to us from the Starjammer. Uh, there's a little bit of news. There's, it's more like some interesting conversations and things. The first actual newsy thing does not deal with movies or television, but the fact that new Marvel comics are indeed back in your comic shop. Uh, they were, they shipped to about six, I think it was six issues this week. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, a Venom, uh, and Avengers. But, uh, even here in California, we're at least in Southern California, we're starting to finally get, the ability to go into stores you know there's uh, restrictions you got to wear a mask you're only a few people at a time but uh, a lot of places have been doing curbside for a couple weeks so there are new comics if your comic shop is open whether it be for in-person shopping curbside or even delivery uh, please make sure to get in touch with them and let them know what you're looking for and yes yeah. it doesn't have to only be marvel comics but that's what we talk about here uh, I mean, I'm excited to see Amazing Spider-Man number 43, which came out this week. Uh, what were you going to say, Rachel? No, just, uh, you know, there's a bunch coming out, too. Uh, Venom, Amazing Spider-Man, like you said, Avengers, yeah. uh, Star Wars, Dr. Aphra. Yeah. A whole I, ton. I, yeah, I've, so. I've got I've got Dr. Aphra waiting for me when I when I do get uh, over for my curbside pickup. And if, uh, if, if Ryan can wait, I'll just let him have mine when I'm done reading it. But uh, I feel like he's going to go out and he's going to rush out and buy one. Rush out. But, 
<laughs> he's already there. He's like, he's like, I'm going right now. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that's exciting. Let us know if you, uh, if, if you've gone and gotten any of the new comics, uh, there are still some issues that are going to be digital releases first, and then they'll get around to doing some print. But, uh, I think it's a safe bet when you do your, you know, your, when you do come back, you, you put Spidey, you put the Avengers out there and of course, uh, Star Wars. Uh, Rachel, in your, uh, in your civilian identity, you are also an author. Uh, what's uh, some of the impact it's having on, cause obviously books are available uh, digitally now, but what's, uh, you know, obviously it ties into comic books as well. What's kind of the, the scuttlebutt as it relates to in print media, you know, comic books we talk about, but also novels, uh, you know, yeah. uh, is, is, are things uh, on hold a bit or, or what's happening? Um, okay, so I will say this, I am a self-published author, and so all, me, all of my friends, all my, you know, other self-published peers, we are all seeing that there have been an influx of digital purchases, um, and as far as the print market goes, it hasn't been much of a change because, um, you can still, you have been able to order books on Amazon, um, it just has been taking longer to actually get the book because of everything going on right now, but you can still order them on Amazon. Um, and if anything, I, I felt like more people are reading um, and sales have seemed to go to have gone up. Um, now, that being said, I don't know how that will affect um, the comic book world, but I do love that there's so many, I, I love the idea that you can just get your comics online now and you don't have to have a physical copy um, that's how I read most of mine. So, well, uh, these boxes and boxes behind me are not filled with. <laughs> True. Uh, what and we got here? Oh, look at this! This is a good one for you, Ryan. Oh man! Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi. Just didn't know what I was going to grab. Wow. I like to do that sometimes on the show. Just see what's back there. Oh my goodness! I would like wow. to read that one. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start doing curbside pickup, and then you can let Ryan borrow it as well. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's shift it over to the movies. Uh, as uh, has been discussed pri uh, previously, Kit Harrington is a part of the Eternals movie, and uh, in an interview, he said, "Let me make sure I get the quote right." God knows, in terms of Eternals, God knows what happened or what's going on with it. I have no idea, uh, and. You know, that was brought to my attention in the way that uh, this was our friend Culpa who sent me that and was like, well, Jon Snow never knows what's going on. But <laughs> what I am glad you like that. So I thought, uh, here's, here's my take on that. And I'll ask you what you think, Rachel. I think he knows everything about the movie. He knows exactly what's going on. It's just so much easier to tell an interviewer. Yeah, man, I don't know. I just don't know what's happening. I don't know when it's going to come out. I don't know what it's going to look like. What do you think? Rachel. I, I agree with you. I think that there's an NDA and he can't break that. And that for lack of accidentally slipping and saying the wrong thing, it is easier just to say, I know nothing. Yes, you know nothing, Jon Snow. So I, I just think that it is, um, I don't think we're going to hear anything for a while. Um, but um, that being said, I just want to say I am, this is kind of off topic and not directly addressing your question but the fact that we get Richard Madden back um in this movie as well and just the cast like I don't mind waiting a little bit um for us to get a for us to get a movie that I'm sure is going to be amazing yeah I mean I think that that's kind of the consensus is that we're all willing to wait a little bit for these movies to come out right you know I mean yeah. if 
they're not able to do the the level of post-production that uh, they're satisfied with. And, you know, I mean, we've already had Eternals pushed from November to February and the Black Widow was already done. I mean, essentially, I know yeah. they've since decided to change the score, but Black Widow, we won't have until November. But yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that when we finally do get these movies, they'll uh, be worth the wait. And we were talking about this uh, in the last week or so, Rachel, that, when you think about it, it's been a little bit over a year now since Avengers Endgame came out. And, you know, sort of right after that, we had a Spider-Man movie, which dealt with some of the themes in there, but that was really a standalone Spider-Man movie. So we'll have gone an entire year and a half without a pure like MCU, MCU movie. And of course, when it's Black Widow, it's it's like a prequel. It's something that yeah, already happened. Yeah. So we're going to be ready to see where the MCU goes going forward. You know, obviously we all want to know what happens next with Spider-Man, but and we talked last week with uh, our pal Amy Martinez sitting in that there's some, there's like four movies that are coming out, you know, they're all coming out like two months after each other. You know, we're really, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a, of a, we're out in the desert right now, but uh, yeah. man, we, we are going to, we're going to have plenty of Marvel to drink in, in the, uh, in 2021 and 2022. Well, uh, and I, go ahead. I just remember too, when we got the Black Widow trailer, um, we like I remember like dissecting that how many people were looking at each like frame to see exactly what was going to happen and I think that what this you know it's unfortunate that we are in a time of coronavirus but the fortunate thing is that these movies that maybe m might have come out too soon um, now if they did have to do any extra editing or any changes or any fixes they have that opportunity while we're in quarantine to kind of you know, take more time and uh, go through those edits. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what I alluded to with Black Widow, you know, they're, they've yeah. replaced the score and the score that it would have had, I'm sure it would have been fine, but you know, you can tell there was somebody kind of a, probably like, ah, I don't love it, but let's put the movie yeah. out. And now they're yeah. like, oh, we have the time. Great, let's, mm -hmm. let's get a whole new score. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, that that'll be great. And look, the the uh, the gears and the machinations continue to move. Uh, this was uh, something I didn't get to last week, but uh, there is a planned uh, for part of the Sony Spider Verse or uh, Into the Spunk, Spider Verse. The Spunk, the Sony Pictures Marvel Universe of characters. I think that's what it stood for. You missed the Spunk week. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they rolled that out for us. And uh, there will be a, a Sony Spider-Man universe movie that is uh, female centric. And let me give credit to uh, Jeff Snyder on Collider was the one who seems to think it might be a Madam Web movie, which man of all the Spider-Man properties that I want, even if you specifically look at female, Madam Web is, I, I mean, I, I think I'd rather see an Aunt May movie than Madam Web. <laughs> interesting. But I mean, I would I would love a Black Cat movie. There was that Silver Sable movie we were supposed to get. But uh, how familiar are you with uh, Madam Web? I know she was on the animated series, so some people know her from that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that would be interesting. But I'd rather get a Gwen story, which I know. Like, I, yeah, I would rather get that. Uh, I'm with you about Aunt May. I think that would be more interesting. I'm not against a Madam Web, but I feel like she's more of a tertiary character yeah. than someone who gets her a movie. 
Yeah, and that's what I always say is like, look, you make the story great, I'll see a movie about anybody. Yeah. But it's just at this stage of like, all right, that's an interesting one to tackle. But uh, yeah, and, and obviously if we're getting an Aunt May movie, I would like it to be Marissa Tomei. But I, yeah, and just to kind of go back to Madam Webb, I do like the fact that she's clairvoyant and telepathic and um, she is a little bit of an interesting take on yeah. what we've seen so far. But um, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather get Gwen or I, I think it's just going to depend on who they cast for this role too. That yeah, no, that's a great it. point. Uh, let us know in the chat who is clamoring for the Madam Web movie. We want to hear from you, uh, and also you're going to have to explain your work and let us know why. But uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, this was a, interesting for our our gaming friends, of which I admit that I am not one. But uh, Bill Roseman, who's the vice president and creative head of Marvel Games, said he's interested in a Daredevil game. And when you think about Daredevil and his abilities and just sort of the way that, you know, he moves through the city in, you know, it, it's, there's elements that are reminiscent of, of Spider-Man. But when you think about how much everybody loved that Spider-Man game that was out last year, just the idea of getting to be Daredevil, I, I don't know. I mean, of, of the Marvel characters, he he's not necessarily somebody that I think of right away, but I don't know. I mean, if you played video games, Rachel, uh, Daredevil would be a pretty cool one, right? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I mean, especially if we're going to have the feel of um, the show, it would just be, I think they could do so much with that. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm more of a Foggy Nelson kind of guy, so I would hope that I could be Foggy in the game too while all the cool kids could be uh, Matt Murdock. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I... I I, I don't know. I think that uh, that that would actually be pretty cool. Uh, but uh, now we don't uh, deal with a lot of trash talk here, but uh, I thought it was interesting last week that uh, Terrence Howard took it upon himself to uh, trash Robert Downey Jr. talking all the way back to the first Iron Man, because if you remember, he was Rhodey in the first one. And there's mm -hmm. this sort of heartbreaking moment where he sees the war machine armor and he's like, Oh, next time. And then it's like, yeah, not for you, Terrence Howard. Don Cheadle's going to get to put that on, but uh, nice try. And you've always heard about how difficult he is. And look, you just, just Google uh, empire set Terrence Howard. Maybe yes. not the easiest guy to work with. Um, so, yes. I will have to agree as an empire fan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, um, I, my, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, when I they, doubt it's just Robert Downey Jr. saying, uh, I'll be back for Iron Man 2, but if but you can't have Terrence Howard. Maybe he didn't like him, but I'm like, okay, I don't think all the blame is going to go on to him. Maybe fake Rhodey. Yeah, that's right. I called him fake Rhodey. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's a little bit on you, you know. But uh, And by the way, uh, since we're speaking about Rhodey, uh, last week when we talked about some of our favorite Marvel characters who had served in the armed forces because, uh, you know, in honor of Memorial Day this past Monday, uh, everybody gave me grief. Nobody gave Amy grief because everybody loves Amy that I didn't mention Rhodey. And, uh, you know, look, I forgot to, I didn't forget, but I didn't even mention Frank Castle. It was somebody in the chat who brought up Frank Castle. So yes, everyone who brought up Rhodey, Rhodey is, is one of the greatest. And if I'm being brutally honest, I'd probably switch out Bucky for, uh, for Rhodey at this point, you know, oh, so I would I'd not. like to, I'd like to take some white out. I look, I love, I love Bucky, but again, he did serve in a different military at one point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He did, he did serve, he did serve the, uh, 
the Red Army, as it were. So, uh, you know, so thank you to everybody for explaining to me how wrong I was to not give credit to Rhodey. Uh, I mean, Rhodey, yeah, here's the thing. Ro like, much love to Rhodey. I love him as a character. Um, I, Don Cheadle definitely is Rhodey to me. Um, <laughs> just saying that. But um, I, yeah, I would never, when it comes to Rhodey versus Bucky, I, I have a love, like I'm a history buff. And so I have a love for World War II and that time period. And so just for that alone, and the fact that Bucky and Steve Rogers are from that time period, they tend to win when there are competitions for me, character-wise. Look, I, I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> No, when we get to our big topic a little bit later, uh, First Avenger will come up. I will always yes. say First Avenger is my favorite MCU movie. Uh, there's yes. been a lot since then, but I always go back to it. And yes, we'll talk about the 40s and we'll talk about the 30s. For anybody who has not seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, we're saving that conversation for the end of the episode because we don't want to ruin it for anybody. But uh, as we'll mention later, Rachel and I are part of the after show over on AfterBuzz TV for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which will be tonight, Thursday, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. So you can join us over there, or you can always check it out archived just like you can from this show. Uh, a few comments in the chat. Let's see. Uh, Yash says that Terrence Howard was better in one Iron Man movie than Don Cheadle. Uh, agree to disagree. Uh, but here's the thing. Don Cheadle has had many more appearances as Rhodey to... Uh, look, I remember thinking it was great in the first Iron Man, but uh, I look replacing Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle is kind of like when Alec Baldwin said he wanted, you know, like three times the salary to reprise the the role of Jack Ryan after uh, after the Hunt for Red October, and they're like, you know what, for that kind of money, we can just get Harrison Ford, and he'll be Jack Ryan in Patriot Games, and Harrison Ford is a much better actor and a more bankable star in the mid nineties than Alec Baldwin was. And honestly, Alec Baldwin now, because you know, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> you know, you, you traded up when you got Don Cheadle, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, there's, there's a little bit more range. Let's just say, uh, but yeah. that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, and, uh, Yash also says hot take the director's cut of the Ben Affleck daredevil was better than the Netflix TV show. Look, that's your take. You're entitled to it. But as somebody who live tweeted the director's cut of the the John Favreau starring as Foggy Nelson, that Daredevil, uh, no, 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 it's it, it's not that good. There's the interesting storyline with Coolio that was cut out of it, but the it, first half hour of that movie is actually really well done and good setup. But no, that that Ben Affleck Daredevil is uh, problematic. So I would much rather. It's hard to compare that to the show, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the show had like 36 hours to tell a story, you know, so yeah. it, it's not fair. And, and also the production value, like they, the fact that this is a show that came out much later than the movie, they they had certain advantages. Plus, I'm yeah. not really a fan of Ben Affleck, so. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, it's a good thing this isn't DC movie news. You, you, you would find I know you would find some at mentions that you did not enjoy. Let's I know. I'm so that. sorry. I I'm not against anyone who is a fan. Just certain actors, like you know, just not for me. Hey, that's all right. You're more of a Casey Affleck guy. I get it. That's cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Zeno Hour, Charles Lee. A whole bunch of people are talking about how cool a Daredevil game would be. Uh, I I would uh, I would love to let my gamer friends play it and then uh, tell me about it. 
because uh, I'm just not good at uh, video games. You know, like if you want to go to like the original Legend of Zelda from like 1988, yeah, I'm in. But uh, not anything more modern than that. And just to get back to Madam Web, Jenna James wonders who they would cast for Madam Web, and yeah. mentions would they go with someone young like Kira Knightley, uh, Nina Dobrev from The Vampire Diaries, or Anne Hathaway, or would they go older, Kathy Bates, Nicole Kidman, or Meryl Streep? Uh, you mentioned. Oh. All right, I'm gonna. No offense to Nina Dobrev. I'm going to go ahead and put her in, in the sixth slot of there. But everybody else you mentioned, I think, is a great choice and an interesting choice. You know, I, I would it's like if you're going to do an Anne Hathaway, uh, Madam Webb, I'm like, all right, let's let's see what she does. Uh, let's see if she sings. What were you going to say, Rachel? Alison Brie. Oh, well, we've been trying to, uh, you know, we've joined the movement to get her to be She-Hulk. So we yeah. uh, we still like that idea. But no, Alison Brie would be, I think. Whether she ends up being She-Hulk or not, she's somebody who's perfect for the MCU. You know, she's yeah. obviously we've seen the uh, comedic ability, we've seen the acting ability, and then also just the physicality she's capable of on Glow. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that that's somebody who is destined for the uh, the MCU. Uh, and Zeno uh, says uh, Sony is trolling us at this point. You know, like being like, "Hey, you want a Madam Web movie?" And everybody's like, "No, not really." <laughs> but, uh, you know, and you know what? You might not. You might not be wrong there. Uh, Ghost eighty three eighty six. Jane Fonda as Madame Web. Uh, I I would love to see that. You know, yeah. Know that, uh, Grace and Frankie's still going strong on Netflix, I believe, and uh, you know, she still works into her seventies. So I mean, even if you look at Newsroom, she I mean, she looks a lot younger. Like she she just she's very capable of a role like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. Let's see. Sorry, there were two things I wanted to get to. Gamer Girl, Emma Thompson from Madam Web. Great. I mean, see, sure. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you sounded like you were about to say the opposite of that, but then you were like, no, I don't want, I don't want the Emma Thompson army to come after me like the Affleck army. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I could see her playing that role. Sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Angela Lansbury, I, 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 I think Angela Lansbury is fantastic and it was great to see her. I think it was in the Mary Poppins Returns movie. I think that's what it was called. And I just don't think she has the stamina to be a, a lead in a feature film at this point. Uh, I, I would love to see her, you know, if Madam Webb were to be a character that appeared in a Spider-Man movie, you know, maybe she's got a, a few scenes or something. I think Adam, uh, Angela Lansbury would be a uh, an excellent choice, and not just I because mean, I grew up watching Bedknobs and Broomsticks every time it was on Disney Channel. I mean, she was she's almost a hundred. She's like ninety five. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then Arkham O says Alison Brie would be a better fit as Jean Grey or Sue Storm. Uh, she'd be yeah. great as either of those. I, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole point is we just want to get Alison Brie in yeah. to the MCU. Why don't you just create a new <laughs> why, why doesn't she just play Alison Brie in the MCU? <laughs> you get that. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, some talk about some alternate cuts of movies. Uh, obviously over on uh, DC Movie News, there's a lot of talk about the hashtag release, the Snyder, Snyder. Cut that is leading to actually filming new material to be included in a Snyder Cut next year. Uh, and then just to be a smart ass, I, of course, uh, said that uh, I, I'm starting the hashtag bring back the Whedon Cut, just to just to be a contrarian. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I don't even need to see it. I'm just going to say bring back the Whedon Cut, just to see if it catches on. But yeah. uh, obviously, look, these kind of movements are interesting. And look, we've had alternate 
alternate visions of movies a number of times. I mean, I, I don't even know how many versions of Blade Runner there are. You know, there's like four or five. And I've seen two of them. And I honestly couldn't tell you which ones I've seen unless I sat through it. And I'm like, I think I've seen this one. And then I'd be like, there'd probably be a scene where I'm like, oh, no, no, this isn't one of the ones I've seen, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it is interesting when you get to do these things. And uh, responding to a, a question, uh, director Josh Trank shot down rumors that there was a Trank cut of 2015's Fantastic Four, uh, often referred to on this show. <laughs> And fantastic often on this show highlighted I, I i'm usually very quick to dismiss the rotten tomatoes tomato meter except for that movie where it has like a 16 percent, and i'm like i think that's a little high uh, <laughs> I, I love the fantastic four characters and uh i i i want a great fantastic four movie you know the the jessica alba michael chiklis movies they're not they're not bad they're kind of yeah. fun but they're, i would love okay. a great fantastic four movie yeah did you well, see I mean did you see the, sorry, uh, did you see the the Josh Trank Fantastic Four? I did. And oh, I really, yeah. by the time I saw it, everyone had already said, you know, I, I already knew it wasn't that great. And so I went in with an open mind anyway. And yeah. And like you said, um, the Jessica Alba version, they they are pretty good. Um, especially I mean, for- Chris the, Evans is the human torch. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and the storyline was pretty interesting. Um, did it wow me? No, but I thought that the I thought that the more recent Fantastic Four was going to be better, and yeah, no, they really needed yeah, to make. I, they really I, went, need- I went to see that movie knowing full well from what everybody had said about it, but you know, there's movies that I see where I'm like, yeah, you know what, I I, I see where it went wrong, but uh, you know, uh, like there's just filmmakers that. I, I, I was long a Cameron Crowe apologist. I liked his movie, Elizabethtown, until I saw Aloha. Aloha is hands down oh. the worst movie I've ever seen in the theater. Oh, see, but, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I liked Elizabethtown and Aloha. But, you know, uh, now see, now some of you know, uh, Rachel and I, uh, under normal circumstances, we were uh, part of a panel for a show here in Popcorn Talk where we would take a look at movies that we just had never seen for a while with our, our friend Alexa Capiello. Uh, it was movies we had never seen, even though we knew we should. I, I think that there's room for a show and Ryan, let me know what you think about this. Like love, hate, like a movie. Like I just said, it's the worst movie that I've ever seen. And you're like, Oh no, no, no. Like you'd really disagree. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea of kind of fighting it out. You know, Yeah. I think there's some MCU oh, yeah. movies. You can do it with some MCU movies for sure. For sure. Oh, like, absolutely. Is Aloha yeah. better than fantastic four? Josh no, I would say yes. <laughs> I would say, I would say yes. yes. <laughs> I, and here's the thing, not to, I yeah. know this is Marvel movie talk, but Aloha, I, I mean, the, one of the reasons I don't agree is I loved the plot and I loved <laughs> the performances and I loved Emma Stone's performance in particular. Her as, as tears had me. It's a Hawaiian. Well, Emma Stone is a Hawaiian. She wasn't quite, it wasn't, no, she was playing, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, I, there's a lot of movies where I felt bad for Bill Murray for saying yes. And uh, that's <laughs> on the top of the list. I was just like, oh, he, because he doesn't read the script. He just sometimes is like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I was like, see, that's why you read the script first. Uh, anyway, so well, I, I, look, I, mean, I think there's room for that. And like, you could, we could do divisive. Look, The Lost World, Thor 2, was on ABC last night before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I saw a little of it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I really need to watch this again because I remember. Like right now, I, I feel like it's my least favorite MCU movie. But if I were to watch it, it probably isn't as bad as I remember, you know? 
Oh, I liked Thor too. Yeah. And Ragnarok. So Lazia, who's usually here, uh, she'll she'll fight me over over Thor too. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move along. We got a couple more topics before we get to our big fun topic, and we are going to talk about Agents of Shield. As I said before, we're saving it for the end of the show so that we don't spoil it for any of you who didn't get a chance to watch it. I mean, it's on at ten o'clock now on Wednesdays, so it's great that we can talk about it the next day. But it also meant that I I had to be watching TV in real time at ten p.m. So uh, you know that's uh, that doesn't fit in my lifestyle. Let's just say I usually I'm usually asleep on the couch by then. Uh, Simon Kimberg uh, did a, a live stream and he talked about a couple of really interesting things. One is that Mister Sinister would have appeared in the the much maligned Channing Tatum Gambit movie that it seems like we're never going to get. And you know, Mister Sinister was was teased in i think it yeah it was apocalypse in, in x-men apocalypse we see it uh we see you know some we see uh i guess a mailing address that that would have uh, gone to nathaniel essex who is who is mr sinister uh so that's obviously not a movie we're getting not something we're seeing just sort of a quick reaction uh what do you think rachel about getting a character like mr sinister like getting to see him on the big screen well, first of all, Channing Tatum as Mr. Sinister, I think would be amazing. But he would have um, been Gambit. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> But you want him as Mr. Sinister. I think Mr. Sinister, yeah. I think Mr. Sinister. Um, but if we're talking about, like, just in general, seeing a character like Mr. Sinister, yeah, sure. I mean, I think they teased it enough. We should get it. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I would be all for it. Yeah, no, I'd love to see the character. And... Uh... You know, the original uh, plan for that character is that there's a there's a kid that Scott Summers was in the orphanage with and he wants Scott to stay there and be his friend. So every time that Scott gets adopted, his adopted parents die and he goes back to the orphanage. And Mr. Sinister was this sort of like manifestation of this kid in the orphanage. That's why he has such like a childlike name that rhymes Mr. Sinister. But then they changed that and they they kind of laid the groundwork for it. And then they went for something completely different. So anyway, my point on that is I would love them to use that idea and and bring it to the the screen. You'd even, you know what, we're getting, if we're getting a Madam Web movie, let's get a standalone Mr. Sinister movie, even though it's a different uh, studio. Uh, Let me just uh, move along because uh, I don't want to run out of time. Uh, Simon Kinberg uh, was asked if there is a hashtag Kinberg cut <laughs> of Dark Phoenix. And, you know, he was pretty honest. He's like, you know, the, there were different things that would have been included, but originally it was supposed to be two movies. And when it got to the point that it was going to be one movie, uh, you know, that this was what they shot, his cut really is a version that got released. Uh, I'm always interested in seeing, you know, alternate things, but like you ran into with this Snyder cut we mentioned, there's there the effects weren't done you know any of the post-production elements weren't rendered so there's not finished material that you can just insert into the movie and let's be honest dark phoenix isn't a movie that they want to do a a a big reboot of you know they want to do a new cut of and new filming and and any new uh, effects work what were you gonna say rachel here's the difference too is that the snyder cut my personal opinion is the failure of that movie was the fact that they did not go into more detail with new characters they were introducing we knew these characters, we didn't know their backstories as it related to this specific universe. And so that I feel like was the shortcoming there. With um, Dark Phoenix, we had already met these people. Like, so we knew, we knew, like we knew um, like from them kind of rebooting X-Men already what was going on. Um, it was more like, yeah, like reading like that IGN article where they discussed this Kimber cut, 
sure, even yeah. they kind of say that the the real failure was the fact that they were condensing it into one film when it was meant to be two. Um, yeah, right, exactly. And then there's also, you know, we've since learned that the the plot was uh, too similar to the Captain Marvel movie, so they had to actually change yeah. a number of things. So, yeah, I think that, uh, unfortunately, uh, I will always tell people that the Dark Phoenix Saga, to me, is the greatest comic book storyline ever written and published. There have been two movie attempts, and still the only great version on screen is the one from the X-Men animated series, the five part uh, Dark Phoenix Saga and the previous four part regular old Phoenix Saga. But uh, anyway, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, there's still talk about uh, this movie. I didn't hate Dark Phoenix. I know a lot of people did, Yeah. but uh, a movie that I'm still excited for. And I will, I will be, I will have this carrot dangled in front of me as many times as they want to is new mutants. Yeah, right now it's coming out August 28th until it comes until, but I was uh, trading messages with our pal Colt Badeau about this. And he's like, I'm not going to believe it's coming out until I'm in the theater sitting and watching it. And my thought is like, I'm not going to believe it's coming out until I'm sitting somewhere, whether it's in the drive-in as I talked about last week or in a theater and the movie's over and I finished watching it. Like, I feel like it could get pulled halfway through a press screening. Like, no, actually it's not coming out. So I'll get to see like eight minutes of it, you know? So Yeah. We we uh, I, I want to see it, but what was confirmed was uh, through an interaction on Twitter, uh, well-known Marvel artist Bill Sienkiewicz, who was you know really an essential part of redefining the New Mutants characters. Uh, obviously, they were created by Chris Claremont, but the visual, just the 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 surreal style that he brought to it, specifically the Demon Bear storyline, which is what we are getting in this movie. He did some new images that are the title sequence for this, which is very exciting because one, it means that there really is a title sequence. And two, someone saw this movie that they were able to ask him about it. And he was like, oh yeah, that's true. So I guess you saw a screening. So there've been screenings of it. And I'm like, Where, where's my invite then? <laughs> they forgot about you. I don't know how I feel about going back to movie theaters when they open, but uh, if it's a New Mutants press screening, I'm there. I might, yeah. I might have to... I might have to wear, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four uh, spacesuits in the theater, but I'll, I'll still go. I want to see this movie so badly. Um, what, uh, you know, and if you saw the, uh, the image for this episode, there's a couple of just, uh, just quick uh, images that uh, Bill Sienkiewicz did. I don't know if you're able to show those, Ryan, while we talk. If not, it's not a big deal. People can just Google him, although it is a little bit hard to spell his name. That's why his social media is at that Polish guy for real that's his name um, but it's yeah bill sinkevich uh what do you think about oh i was just saying that the images that i sent you that you made the the thumbnail from if you can show those uh at some point while we're talking about this that would be that would be great uh but uh so i don't know i mean it's exciting to me because i love when they use actual comic art you know the the little marvel thing that the tag at the beginning of all these movies where you see the marvel logo and all these images mm -hmm. You know, that's evolved over the years. But I, I, I've always loved that. From the first time I saw it, I guess, before uh, X-Men 2000 and Sam Raimi's 2002 Spider-Man. So I love all that. Uh, what do you think, you know, you, if you have a specific thought about Bill Sienkiewicz, but if you're not familiar with him as an artist, uh, what do you think about this idea of using actual new artwork created by these iconic Marvel artists like Bill Sienkiewicz? So one, I love the artwork um, and it's interesting because it almost has more of a simplistic feel 
if you yeah. look at his images. I don't know if we're seeing them right now, but um, what I love is that Marvel has different phases and now we're going into a new era. So it makes complete sense that we'd get a different style and tone in the artwork while still um, you know, playing an almost homage to what we had in the early 2000s with Sam Raimi and the early X-Men movie and just, you know, what, what kind of all started this off. So, yeah. yeah. And plus, New Mutants, even if we look at the trailer and just like, you know, all because we were seeing it in theaters before the quarantine happened. Um, and so just... Yeah, I think we saw... We, did, we went with a group of people to see Invisible yeah. Man and we got to see... It was yeah. the last, there was like the end of, or the end well, of uh, February, beginning of March. Yeah. They were playing it a lot. Like in, cause we yeah. were, you know, as we are AMC members. And so we were going to see, you know, the last yeah, couple of sure. weeks they were playing it in all the different movies. And so even the trailer itself, it almost did not feel like a Marvel movie until you, you know, you started getting the sense that this was definitely, um, yeah. you know, Marvel. and Right. Well, no, exactly. So continue to be excited for it. Love this idea. Even more excited for the uh, the main title sequence. And this brings us to our big topic. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it for a couple minutes and then we'll definitely spend some time talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But let's talk about our some of our favorite Marvel titles, uh, main titles that we've had. Now, this is, of course, MCU, sure, but also your X-Men and Spider-Man movies as well. And I, I'll just start really quick because they were the first things that we got of Marvel on the big screen, at least in this modern era. I love those opening sequences for the X-Men movies where you hear Patrick Stewart giving the narration and then they sort of go to the like the microscopic level of strands of DNA and we see them mutate. Similarly, the Sam Raimi movies all had the, the webs just kind of spinning. And then the uh, Spider-Man 2, it's a red web, which is kind of even cooler. But Spider-Man, Spider-Man two and three, they used those to kind of recap the previous movies. It was almost like previously on Spider-Man, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think those did a great job of setting the tone in this, in like the pre-MCU, uh, you know, movie-going universe. What are your thoughts about some of your favorite title sequences, Rachel? And please let us know in the chat your favorite uh, title sequences. We'll read them off before the show's over. So okay, there there are a few that really stick out in my mind. Um, Captain America, the first Avenger, I'm going to have to say is my favorite because, uh, you know, like I said earlier, history buff, World War II. Um, so just the fact that we're getting this, you know, old timey footage, um, like it just feels, um, well, like war propaganda and the music that we're hearing, like it just felt like they really did a great job calling back to that time period in history. Um, I would also say Iron Man um, is one of my favorites. I love Black Sabbath at the yeah. beginning. <laughs> and, well, and that's so perfect. I, I, yeah. I agree 100%. I also agree about uh, First Avenger because, as I said, it's my favorite MCU movie. But yeah, yeah, the, and, it's great to, to set the tone for that first movie, that Iron Man movie with Black Sabbath. I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other thing I would say is um, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man's. I, I'm, it doesn't even, it's the fact that these movies came out when I was in high school and I have such fond memories of that time period. So yeah, I, I just always, for me, that's more personal, not because of what it is, just the fact that it's that Yeah, time. no, and it's just, it's a cool, it's cool visuals. It's just, it was interesting because I rewatched them before this, knowing we were going to talk about it today. And I'm like, oh, they're actually all the same. Like those three movies, they're, you know, they each of the, the three film series uh, have the same thing. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's, 
there's uh, all, all sorts of uh, uh, cool ones. And, you know, we're not going to really go through all of them. But, uh, you know, a, a good one, I think, is that uh, Thor, it has the kind of the, the dramatic music playing over some space travel. But the Incredible Hulk is like, you know, and that's the Ed Norton one. It, it kind of recaps the previous Hulk movie instead of like tell <laughs> his origin again. Like now, just do it over the credits, which I think is great. And by the yeah. way, I've still never seen that Ang Lee uh, Eric Bana Hulk movie. I, I've just never it's, gotten around to it. Yeah, I mean, just a general comment. I actually liked it. Just yeah, a lot of people just, seem to like it a, yeah. enough, and you know, I think this must be the sort of uh, situation that I'm uh, saving it for. Uh, anyway, uh, let us know. I promise I'll read off uh, before the end. Uh, but uh, a lot of people agree th- about First Avenger. Uh, Ant-Man from Jenna James, the classic spy theme, plays over some science stuff. It's very cool. Yeah, Guardi- Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, volume two. Oh, Volume 2, Baby Groot with uh, ELO. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> totally. I was thinking of one, but yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love Either ELO. of them. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, I'll read off a few more at the very end, but uh, we are going to spend a few minutes talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, we've got about five minutes here that we're going to talk about it. And as I mentioned before, Rachel and I will be part of the panel over on After Buzz TV tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. So to give you a little tease for what we're going to talk about, Rachel, overall thoughts and uh, main comments that you'd like to make about the season seven premiere of Ange- uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We are going to speak about it in terms of spoilers now. So if you yeah. haven't seen it, we'll see you next week. But uh, we're going to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. for about five minutes here. Yeah, and also if you are a fan of Shield and you haven't read the Deadline article discussing um, with um, some of the showrunners and executive producers, you sh- you should definitely go over and check that out. Um, they did an interview where essentially um, they were saying that like Jeffrey Bell was sa- show co showrunner Jeffrey Bell was saying that they are gonna go bold. It's already been filmed. They made some bold choices because this is the end. Um, my overall thoughts: I love that Colson is back. It, I love that um, they mentioned the framework because this is Coulson who, a version of him who won, if we remember, he would not have wanted to be an LMD. This would have been yes. especially Coulson of the end of season four when they were dealing with Ada and the framework. This would have been like, no, let me die. Like, why am I here? So I loved that they are bringing back so many things from the previous seasons. And then the only other thing I want to mention really fast is um, Elizabeth Henstridge and Chloe Bennett. Um, Liz plays Simmons. Chloe plays Daisy. They did a, a live, um, they did an Instagram live um, show the other day where they discussed all of this and they specifically said that the framework season four was their favorite. So uh, check that out too if you haven't. Uh, I, wa- I want to check that out. And uh, I- I've gone on the record about uh, how much I loved the Ghost Rider portion of season four and that uh, I- just the-, the framework lost me and it uh, it turned me off on the show, actually. Uh, oh, I-, I-, I got I-, I got back into it in season five, but uh, it just went on too long. I- 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 yeah. But anyway, sorry. For me, the framework cemented Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as my favorite show. That's what like it was already up there. That yeah. arc, I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> well, this this episode had a lot of the elements for why I do love the show. You know, the, the right amount, the mixture of humor and sort of, you know, the, I, I think that they did a good job playing off the fact that they're in 1931 and, you know, there's Mac, this huge uh, African-American gentleman in a suit. Obviously you can't, you, you have to acknowledge it. And then also, you know, you have the, the police officer saying to Daisy, like, 
what's the matter? You can't find a husband, you know? So I, I, I feel like you need to address some of that sort of stuff, but I, I think they handled it in a really good way, you know? Yeah. And uh, as a history buff, I need to ask you, Rachel, what did you think of the portrayal of Franklin Delano Roosevelt? I, I thought that that guy actually did a pretty good job. I thought he sounded like him, you know? Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I mean, it was pretty, I mean, it's television. So of course there were a lot of things historically inaccurate, but in terms of a general, like, you know, viewing of FDR, yeah, I thought it was pretty good casting and um, generally speaking, pretty good mannerisms. Yeah, I expect that we'll see him again. I, 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 I feel like you don't take the time to, to give us FDR in this one. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, I, look, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it. It, again, reminded me what I like about the show. Uh, everybody who is a regular of this show, a regular viewer of this show, knows how much our, our fear, fearless leader, Zach Wilson, is a fan of the show. Uh, and he sent me this to read about his reaction to the season seven premiere, which nicely enough, was called New Deal. 30s and Robots and Koenig's Oh My. LMD Coulson is my kind of guy. Look at him, fanboy. <laughs> look at him, fanboy overall FDR. Cap would be jealous. Oh, look, Zeke stole a car. It's good to see the team all back on the bus. Uh-oh, May broke out. Now she'll make a fuss. Started on this statement and a poem did yield. Miss my old Marvelites almost as much as my shield. But uh, will be back with us soon. And uh, we'll have him uh, occasionally film uh, a few moments here and there of, uh, you know, some of his reactions. So we'll try to include him. Hopefully we can get him into next week's show. Uh, but uh, he he sent me that. And uh, yeah, yeah and, you know, to- at the end of the episode, go ahead, sorry. No, I just, um, saying, yeah, right? he, he used to be on the S.H.I.E.L.D. panel too. So it'd be awesome yeah, to right, have exactly. him back at some point. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great to uh, hear his thoughts uh, about it. And uh, we've got a couple extra minutes. And so what I kind of want to talk about is the, I know that the important, the, the, the biggest part of the show for you is Fitz and Simmons. And here we are yet again, they're separated. Uh, Is it, is it frustrating for you to that where we don't, we don't even see Fitz for a second in this episode. Yeah, and especially when the season is so short comparatively to most of the rest of it. Um, I'm not frustrated because I understand that this is temporary. They would not do this to us as Fitzsimmons shippers. They would not keep them apart forever. Plus, we know that uh, Deke has to be born, and so they are going to come back together. I believe it. I am not hurt by this, but I'm guessing, and this is prediction-y, but hey, we're near the end. What I'm guessing is that we are going to see Fitz um, sooner than we think, and he's going to have to come in and um, he's going to have to break this um, security of Fitz and Simmons not being together because whatever's happening is going to draw him back in or they're going to accidentally go to the same place in time as him. I don't think it's going to be for long um, that they're going to be separated, number one. But then number two, what I'm more curious about is how long it's been that Simmons and Fitz have been doing this without the rest of the team. Cause it kind of like when Daisy asked, how long have we been apart? Simmons didn't have a direct answer. She said too long. So I'm wondering, is this five, 10 years? Like maybe not 10, but like, is this, you know? No, but I I was thinking the same thing. I wonder how long it's been. And I'm sure that's at some point. And by the way, I agree with you that we will see Fitz soon. I feel like his best friend Enoch is going to be the one to have to go and get him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I do think we're going to see it. And, uh, by the way, let me just, uh, shout out 
Yash in the chat, who seems to be uh, a little bit of a rabble rouser, saying that Clark Gregg was so much better on New Adventures of Old Christine. The only uh, reason I'm reading that is because it made me laugh. <laughs> so look, there's there's something to be said for being in a chat and saying saying things that make people angry, but that made me laugh. So uh, I Clark love Gregg. I love that we have Clark Gregg uh, in this season. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the explanation. It's fine. I'm so glad he's there. What were you gonna say? I I agree with you. I would be really hurt if he wasn't here. I think Clark Gregg is one, an upstanding person. And also I think he's a phenomenal actor and I love him as Coulson on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's one of my favorite parts of the show. So obviously I don't agree with that statement. Um, not that he was bad on any other show, but um, I think he's also amazing as Coulson and I'd be very hurt um, if we didn't get him in some capacity. And I think this yeah. was a very, this was a very realistic way to do it where, oh, you're not just bringing him back from the dead. You're bringing yeah. him back in the form of an LMB. I, I think that would have cheapened it. We, we've had yeah. him, we've had multiple uh, cults and death scenes and yeah. doing everything with Sarge last season was fine because they came up with a you know reason for yeah. that. And uh, yeah, to, to not do something like that again, I think was great. And uh, also Langley M. Neely says, Clark Gregg is great in everything. And uh, you know, who, am I, who am I to disagree <laughs> with that? Me you too. Know? Uh, yeah, and Langley really says he's the only reason I even tried Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, look, the Me fact too. that they were bringing the character back was why I, I was interested. I mean, I didn't know who anybody was. I mean, well, I knew who Ming-Na Wen was. But I mean, he I, made I, such... Go ahead. He made such an impression in Avengers that when I heard that they were making a show and he was in it, I was like, I'm down. I don't care how they're bringing him back. I'm in. And then, yeah, Ming-Na Wen, like, I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, I love that she's now been in um, Mulan uh mandalorian and agent of shield but uh yeah so but no clark like clark greg is the reason i watched in the first place yeah no 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 i, I agree and uh you know i think that uh, a lot of people are uh you know there, there's some back and forth going on in the chat about how people feel about i think in general people are happy that we got seven seasons of the show there have been number of times where I was surprised that it came back. And there are mm -hmm. times that ABC didn't want it to come back, you know? And, and times where um, we didn't actually wrote it off like it was going to be the finale because they weren't yeah. sure. Season four, season five, like, it, yeah. yeah, so. Well, we will have so much more. Uh, is, there, is, there, is there one little nugget we can tease for people to tune into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. laughter show tonight on AfterBuzz TV at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, Rachel? What's, what's one tidbit that uh, you'll reveal? Is there anything from your historical deep dive research that you can mention? Well, this isn't historical, but the fact that we got Ernest, we got Patton Oswalt back yes, as, I did as love that. a Koenig. Yeah. So I would say that's definitely a tease. Um, historically speaking, um, I mean, it's, I think what I found, um, I don't really know what to say in terms of, you know, what wasn't accurate because generally speaking it was it's just not as detailed I mean, as what actually it, happened look it it, it also at, at a certain point you just deal with the fact that it looks like a, a studio back lot somewhere you know and it that really, yeah it, it didn't really feel like 1930s they did it they did yeah. their best it, it was fine and i think that there was there was definitely some cool stuff i love that they went to the speakeasy and all that and i i know that this was in the commercial but I, the idea that they they actually have to save Hydra in order to be save Shield, I think, is a, is a cool little wrinkle to it. I mean, it wasn't a reveal for any of us who saw the commercial, but I thought it was it was cool the way that they brought it about. You know, 
Yeah. And I'm also interested. I mean, I like the fact that Hydra's involved even indirectly. Um, and I, yeah, I, I like the callbacks that we're getting. I really, uh, I want to see what they do with May's character um, and how she's going to react to Coulson or should I say LMD Coulson? Because, yeah. you know, obviously they have something romantic too. So what does that mean for them? I know she already had last season having to deal with Sarge looking like him. And now it's like, for all intents and purposes, robot Coulson, you know? So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you want to talk about uh, somebody who is uh, stirring it up in the chat, Matt Yarborough. I will say this, even though Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had its highs and lows, I do not think it ever got Arrowverse bad with its writing or quality, LOL. Oh, oh. So First of all, is... I, I am a fan of the Arrowverse, so I just want to say that. Um, I will say, like, going off of that, um, specifically, I love The Flash, and The Flash has, has had its up and down moments in terms of writing, like when they did the musical episode. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but of course but... they were going to do it. I mean, when you... When I mean... you cat when you when like two of your biggest uh, characters were both on glee you're like well we have to do a musical episode at some point of know? course of course yeah. and it wasn't bad it just wasn't as it wasn't that great either it so. wasn't it wasn't the buffy musical episode so no. of course of course yeah. no but um I, yeah i'm not going to i'm not going to comment on that other you know about Ava well, Shield, yeah, you. look, and, and I have people who get mad at me uh, for what I say on the show, but also what I'll say in the chat that to me, it's fun to just kind of poke like what he just said that, you know, that's fine. You know, yeah. and, and, and when I when I say stuff to just, the, you know, like about the uh, I want the Whedon cut of Justice League to come back. Yeah, just saying things like that, because I think it's funny. <laughs> but I did. I, but I've, I, I've always been an unapologetic Marvel homer. So uh, I, I will definitely say things at times that people are like, you know, it's like, like, why do you have to compare them? I'm like, I don't know, because it's fun, uh, you know? But, I mean, uh, and also so. everyone's entitled to their own opinion too. So it's uh, like even just earlier with Aloha. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to just do it. Do it. You know, I, I'll rewatch Aloha so that we can talk about it at some point. We'll, we'll find a show, yeah. we'll create a show just so you and I can talk about Aloha. And it could but be the, like this big opening sequence of like, you know, epic rap battles, except not rap and not rap. <laughs> <laughs> um, me and you. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I I I I apologized for everything that like I I I even apologized for vanilla sky, but uh, I liked Elizabeth Town and I, yeah. I don't think anyone did. I but you know I so. liked Elizabeth Town. Yeah. Uh let us know what your favorite Cameron Crow movie is. <laughs> Hey, how about a Cameron Crowe MCU movie? What about that? Oh. You know, uh, I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking more of like a Jerry Maguire. Uh, you know, wh who are who's our MCU Jerry Maguire? We can answer that question next week. Uh, yeah. And uh, Rachel, uh, you'll be sticking around for a few weeks so that you can talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. on this show. Uh, but uh, also, as we mentioned, people can find us tonight and every Thursday over on AfterBuzz TV at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after show. But where else can people find you, Rachel? You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman. I am also on Instagram at Rachel Radner Author. If you're a fan of romance novels, uh, which maybe you're not if you're, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but if you are, then I am on Amazon at Rachel Radner and you can find my books there. I'm also working on fantasy books now too. So yeah. 
And you know what? Fantasy books, there's always room for romance in there too. Of course. Uh, we did the uh, we did the Dark Crystal after show. Even that show managed to find some room for romance, which I guess they're not doing another season of that. I think that they were like a 10-part prequel and then they were done, but I was like, man, they left the that's, door open for Dark that's Crystal. super confusing because that yeah. ending, it almost felt like they had already pre-taped yeah. more that we were going to get yeah, with know. her going mad and yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's the interesting thing. Rachel and I have done a lot of different shows. We did Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, <laughs> uh, we did a little bit of everything. Uh, pretty, anyway, pretty. pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, anyway, everybody uh, in the chat, everybody who uh, shared their thoughts with us, we welcome your favorite title sequences. If you're watching the archive version, please leave them down below. Uh, there are no wrong answers. Uh, even even movies that I didn't love have really cool title sequences. You know, the Spider-Man Three and X-Men: The Last Stand still have cool title sequences. At least they got that part right. So uh, happy to continue that conversation and also continue all the conversation with every single one of you next Thursday at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. If you want to keep in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. And I have my personal podcast, The Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. And our friend Zia, you can still find uh, doing some stuff on Twitch at Zialand. And of course, Zach is at that Zach Wilson. If you want to interact with him, tell him how much you enjoyed his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, poem. I believe he's going to actually film himself reading it and post it on our social media. So look for that. But that is all the time. Thanks again to Rachel Goodman, Ryan in the booth, Colt Badeau, each and every one of our Marvelites. And we will see you next Thursday. Until then, Excelsior. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk.